0: Let us pray. Heavenly Father, even as Jesus came and called the two brothers today, and they immediately left their nets to follow you, we pray that as we hear you call us, that we too will immediately follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, we're in the second week of this little three-week series on vision, Last week I shared with you how to increase your vision through focus and through direction and expansion. This week we're going to talk about casting our vision to other people. I'm going to backtrack a little bit and remind you that as Christians, God calls us, first of all, the immediate vision is to follow Him. The immediate vision is to be His people, to accept Him as Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But then God also gives us a vision to wherever he has planted us. Whether he plants us in a business, in a factory, whether we find ourselves being self-employed, whether we find ourselves being stay-at-home moms or retired people or whatever, God still says, bloom where you are planted and then have a vision for me. How can I best serve you wherever it is that you have called me to be? That's pretty challenging because a lot of people would say, well, pastor, you're the only one that God has really called to serve him. No, you can't get off the hook that easy. And some people say, well, pastor, uh, haven't you heard about retirement? And I think I told you last week, there is no such word in the Christian's vocabulary. Get rid of that word, retirement. The word is repositioned. God calls you, Ted, even in the midst of what you might have thought was retirement, to merely reposition yourself in God's kingdom. And then God even gives you a vision for that. And we said that that takes focus, that takes direction, that takes some expansion. This week we're talking about casting that vision even a little bit broader. I'm going to start with a couple of quotes. You'll see them up here on the screen. One by John Maxwell. He's a fairly well-known Christian author and, and, and Christian leadership. He said, one is too small a number to achieve greatness. I think what John is trying to say is you, you really can't do it by yourself. And, and while that's kind of true, we know we can do some things by ourselves, but to really have a great vision sometimes takes more than one person. Lyndon Johnson, former President of the United States, said there are no problems we cannot solve together and very few that we can solve by ourselves. But you know something, that really doesn't stop us, does it? There's something about being an American that makes us want to overcome every obstacle in our path and defeat, every foe in our terms, without ever breaking a sweat. Why don't you take a look at this picture? You know who that is? You ever seen that television? How many people have seen that television show? Twenty-four. Okay, you're all over here. I'll talk to you then. (laughs) I don't watch this television show very often. I've not gotten hooked into it, although I've had plenty of people tell me Jack is back on the 17th, and I don't think they were talking about Jack Perry. So I may get hooked into it this year. I said, I don't watch it very often, but I have seen it enough to know that there is nothing that Jack Bauer can't do. I mean, he can get out of every impossible situation. He can resolve any crisis in an hour. Give him 24 consecutive hours, and he will save the world from inevitable destruction. This guy, Jack Bauer, is absolutely amazing. But even Jack Bauer doesn't work alone. He's got all kinds of people who work behind the scenes for him. I mean, if he needs information, he is immediately uplinked to his cell phone in seconds. Believe me, sometimes I can't even get a connection on mine. When he needs backup, backup is always on its way. When he needs a helicopter, for heaven's sakes, there's always a helicopter around. And this guy never, ever runs out of bullets. He does some pretty incredible things. But the truth is, if I had that kind of team behind me that he does, I think I could do some pretty incredible things too. At least maybe I could find my car keys a lot easier. You know, as the saying, so even the Lone Ranger had who? Tonto. We all need people on our team supporting us, assisting us, praying for us, encouraging us helping us to accomplish whatever it is that God has called us to do wherever he has seen fit to plant us. On your message outlining, there's another quotation by Andrew Carnegie. Carnegie said it marks a big step in your development when you come to realize that other people can help you do a better job than you could do alone. Again, I'll go back and say, Friends, if God has called you to be his child, if you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He also has planted you in a certain place, not just to take up time and to earn money or or whatever, but he has called you to be salt and light wherever that may be. And he's called you to build a group of people around you to help accomplish that. Now, you may start alone, but you never want to finish alone. I remember somebody one time saying, well, now that you're the senior pastor of this large church, and i had been senior pastor of a church of 3,000 members, they said, you're going to find it very lonely at the top. To which I replied, it's never lonely at the top if you take people with you. That's true. It's never lonely at the top. It's never lonely as God's child if you take other of God's children with you on that journey. Along the way, you gather a group of people around you to work with you. And today we're going to talk about casting this vision of whatever it might be and to kind of recruit other people. But we're going to today use the example of Jesus, which is by far and away the greatest example we can use. And we are going to reflect on just one sentence that Jesus spoke at the beginning of his ministry. Just one sentence today. That's it. One, one sentence out of God's word, what Nancy read to you this morning. You may remember Jesus was walking along the shores of the Sea of Galilee. He saw a couple of fishermen. Their names were Simon Peter. We know him as Peter and his brother Andrew. And Jesus said simply to them, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. The Bible says that they immediately left their nets, they immediately left their boats, and they immediately followed him. Now today we're going to spend a little time unpacking that verse because each little phrase kind of gives us a clue about how we too can live our life as Christians wherever God has planted us, to spread our vision in such a way that people would be attracted ultimately to the message of Jesus Christ. Now, here's the first thing Jesus said. First part of the phrase, come, follow me. Now, when I think about that, if you consider yourself to be a Christ follower this morning, you've already heard that call of Jesus in your life. Those of us that were raised in the Lutheran persuasion may have had to memorize the catechism at some time or another to go through confirmation. You may remember parts of it where it says that he has called me by the gospel. He has enlightened me with his gifts. He has sanctified me through the Holy Spirit. And God has done that to each and every one of us. God called you into his family somehow. Some of you is later in life. There are people who come to know Jesus later in life. I don't know, maybe a Billy Graham crusade. Maybe somebody drug them along the church and the message of Jesus Christ just happened to hit them right that day. And boom, it was a true epiphany to use the word of the day. But God had called them by the gospel. And then God continued to enlighten these people by his gifts and sanctified them. He called them. But now God also calls us into other avenues of life. Wayne, He's called you out of the pasture (laughs) into finance. Just as an example, God has said, Follow me. And you followed His leading. I'm going to make a grand assumption that you followed His leading in doing this. See, there's great words in these words Follow me. It's do what I do, not just what I say. See, best leaders lead by example. And Jesus invited his followers not just to obey a bunch of rules, but to live with him, to be with him, to walk with him, to work with him, to eat with him, to go where he went and do what he does. Jesus showed us that it is better to lead people into greatness than to merely send them. That's why Jesus says, come Follow me. Now, obviously, in our Christian life, I mean, will use myself as an example as a pastor. I don't just say to you, you know, folks, come follow me the same way that Jesus says, follow me. But we can say, if we have a certain amount of integrity, do what I do. Follow my example. For example, if God has called you to be a stay-at-home mom a godly, wonderful position. It's one that Luther elevated. He said, that's one of the most noble of professions. And you say to your children, come, follow me, follow my example, do as I do. You know, that's the way it works. This is what Paul said several times in his letters to the church. He said, imitate me, do what I do, teach what I teach, follow my example. I've always been impressed, you know, for example, in 1 Corinthians 4, 16, Paul says very point blank, so I urge you to imitate me. Let me ask this question. How many of you would say that to other people? I urge you to imitate me, to follow my example. Or are you more prone to look at your children and say, hey, do as I say, (laughs) if not as I do. Could you say that? I think about that myself from time to time as a pastor. Can I say, in all honesty, folks, follow my example, even as I follow the example of Christ? In your business, can you say, follow me in the way that I do business for the glory of God and in his name? Can you say that? Albert Schweitzer said, example is not the main thing in influencing others, it is the only thing. Now, there's a basic principle that everyone needs to understand. It's this, that people buy into the leader before they ever buy into the vision. People began to know Jesus before they bought his vision. A leader has to have integrity. Has to be able to say, follow me, follow my example, do what I do. This means that if God has given you a vision for something great, you must, first of all, hold yourself to a higher standard. To demand of yourself that you walk the talk and that you live the life. People need to know that you're the real deal. As I work in prison, I'm going to head back down to Angola towards the end of this month, early in the month of February. I miss the guys down in prison, and I need to go back and reconnect with them. The one thing I have learned in prison is that the guys down there know the real deal when they see it. They know when people are blowing smoke. They know when people are doing hit-and-run kinds of ministry. They see it because they have been con artists their whole life. They recognize a the con when they see one. Same could be said of Christians. There are people who can spot a phony Christian a mile off. People need to know that you're the real deal, that you, that you know what you're talking about, that you have the credibility that it takes to do the job as a Christian, that you're committed to being who you need to be and doing what you need to do. As a Christ follower, that's why, for example, it's hard to take advice on growing hair from a bald barber. It's kind of hard to take uh, health advice from an overweight physician, or financial advice from somebody who just filed Chapter 11, or relationship advice from somebody who has a hard time staying married, or taking parenting advice from people whose kids are a bunch of wild savages. I mean, these people just don't have the credibility at all to give advice beyond maybe say, hey, don't do what I do. Clearly, that's not somebody that you want to follow in order to recruit people to your vision. And today, let's just think about ourselves, the vision to which God has called us, whether you're in the construction business, let's say, is to somehow, some way, and this may be a real challenging task, To be able to introduce Christ in the life of other people. Now, you're pretty lucky because it says Christian in front of your building company. That's a good leader. Do people ever ask you, are you guys Christian? Yes. They do ask it. Okay. And I hope you say, yeah. Okay, good. But how can I take that vision now? How can I sell the vision of what it means to be Christ-like to these people? I mean, that's a real key thing in whatever it is that we do. To be able to say to somebody else, follow my example, it's a question of integrity. It's a reason for people to believe in you. People need to see that yours is an example they can follow because you are following the example of he whose example is pure and holy and his name is Jesus. Now here's the second phrase Jesus says. He says, follow me and I will show you how. I will show you how. Now, just stop there and think about that for a moment. I will show you how. Go to the next next picture there. Anybody recognize this guy? You recognize this guy? His name is Bob Ross. Maybe you didn't know that. But Bob Ross used to host The Joy of Painting on PBS. Now, he's the guy that used to say things like, hey, let's put a happy little tree next to the stream. Now, do you know why he was so successful? He was very successful on television. I used to watch it. But then again, I also watched drive-ins or diners, drive-ins and dives. And I don't cook either. It's not because his paintings are anything special. I mean, for heaven's sake, look at it. It's a, it's a mountain and some trees in the water. There's nothing really great about that. It, it wasn't because he had this unique ability or rare talent to paint. It's just that he had a rare talent... To show people just how easy it was to do what he does. And no doubt today there are thousands of people who derive a great deal of pleasure out of their painting or maybe even have earned a few dollars along the way simply because Bob Ross on television said, I'll show you how. I'll show you how. Now, Alexander the Great, before the age of 30, we know had conquered all of the known world. Yet even at the height of his power, when he was the emperor of the world, if you will, it is said that when his army went to war, he stood in front of his men with his sword drawn and he led them on the charge into battle. And it is said that at the sight of Alexander charging forward, so motivated his troops that there was nobody who could stand against him. Here's a couple of points, and I think it might be on your outline. One is that leaders lead by the example of their integrity. Leaders lead by the example of their integrity. The second thing is leaders lead by demonstrating or modeling what they expect of other people. That's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus led by integrity. Jesus led by demonstrating, by modeling. And wherever we find ourselves, if we expect to make an impact on other people as we go out to... Fish for men as well. We need to do that with integrity, and we need to do that sometimes by modeling or demonstrating. In fact, one of the biggest causes of failure in leadership is when a leader is unwilling to do what he or she asks other people to do. I'm going to let you in on a little inside secret about pastors, okay? Do you know that there are some pastors who never talk about certain subjects? You know why? Why? Because they don't do it. It's kind of an interesting little thing. I know pastors who will not talk about tithing. You know why? They don't. And they don't want to stand up. I'm I'm sure there are probably a few hypocritical people who would encourage them they don't do it. You've got to be a little careful with that. Don't just say, gee, what has Barry not preached about? I mean, let's not be judge about it. But I'm telling you that sometimes people will tell other people to do things and they don't do them. That's why I apologize to, I think, my previous church at one time. And I would, in a way, apologize to you in a roundabout way to say, Folks, if I have ever told you to do something and didn't somehow show you how to do it or show you by my example that I actually had done it, I apologize. I should never stand in front of you and say, You folks ought to read your Bible more without somehow showing you how to do it by providing some Bible studies or, you know, like right now we're doing see-through the scriptures to show you how to do it. Or to say, you folks really ought to pray more if we don't kind of show or model how to do it. I mean, that's a very key thing. I mean, some people tell people to do manual labor and they've never done manual labor in their life. They're not going to get their hands dirty. I mean, there are these so-called people of position who've never made a sales call. They're not going to do the extra mile. They're not going to get themselves bothered. But Jesus, on the other hand, modeled the life that he asks us to live. And he's just asking us now to go and model that same life to other people, wherever he has called us to be. He says, follow me. And if you're a Christian, guess what? You've got the first step down. And Jesus said, I'm going to show you how. And he has modeled a life for you. And you, you need to get into your word to find out what that life is all about. And now when you're out in your business, wherever it is, you have that integrity to say, follow my example too. And friend, let me kind of explain to you how it works in my life. See, here the key word is training. Great leaders train other people. That's why leaders need more than integrity. They need a certain amount of expertise. If you lead in a financial area, you need to know about financial stuff. If you lead in the area of youth, you better know something about young people in youth ministry. If you're a stay-at-home mom, maybe you ought to know something about what it means to be a stay-at-home mom. If you're a retired person and you got grandchildren around, maybe you ought to understand, know as much as you can about being retired and you know, how to take care of somebody else's kids while they're working. That means God has called you to, to lead, certainly then God has called you to learn. You know, I spent almost 20 years as a teacher. I used to tell students all the time, a, a day without learning is a day wasted. If you haven't learned something today, you wasted your time. Something's going to help you be a better person in some way. The more you know, the more you can pass on. The more you know, the more effectively you can help other people. Some people don't model Jesus very well because, let's be honest, they don't know much about him. They haven't been in the Word. That's why I always joke, when people have a problem, somebody comes up to John Folks and dumps a big theological problem, John says, hey, call -call 1-800-CALL-DOC. He'll answer your question. No, John ought to know what's in the Word. Because it says we should be prepared in and out of season to do that. I'll show you. That's what Jesus said we could say to other people, I can show you. Let me explain it to you. Here's the third phrase Jesus said He said, Follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. I got news for you, friends. You're going to hear this in the last message of this month the State of the Union. We are going to get into serious people fishing business. Say, what? Fish or cut bait, huh? We're done cutting bait. you got 90 years of bait cut. Now it's time to fish. Jesus said, I'll show you how. We could study Jesus' example. I always think about Jesus' wonderful example of the woman at the well. You know, why was she at the well all by herself in the middle of the day? Well, pretty obvious. <laughs> the other women didn't like her. And Jesus used that example to fish. One of our members told me this morning about being at a place of business the other day, and somebody asked them a question about, essentially about Jesus or Christianity, to be prepared. You're out kind of fishing for people. You're there ready. Now, obviously, Jesus spoke those words to a bunch of fishermen. It was kind of like he was going to capture their imagination. Can you imagine you're out there fishing, you're sitting on the shore someplace on the lake, or out in your boat and somebody says, Hey, I I know you're out there fishing for fish. It's a good job, uh, a good pay, you provide a valuable service to uh, the community and to the local economy. But guess what? You can do even more than you're doing today. You can catch a whole lot more than just fish. You can catch men and women, and you can bring them into a life-changing relationship with the God who loves them beyond measure. You can do this. You can make a difference in people's lives. I don't know about you, but I have always wanted to be in a position where I could do something to make people's lives better. Now, I just happen to have been a teacher in Christian schools. God led me into the ministry, and I pray to God each and every day that God allow me to do something in a way to help make a difference in people's lives. But you can do that outside the pastoral ministry. Let me give you an example. This is a story I've always loved. This is somewhere back in the early 1980s when uh, Steve... Job's or Jobs, I can't remember how to pronounce his name, recruited John Scully uh, to be president of Apple Computers. Scully said he wasn't sure that he wanted to leave his job as the head of Pepsi. Well, Steve said, do you want to spend the rest of your life selling sugared water, or would you like to actually change the world? Now, what was Steve doing? Well, he was capturing Scully's imagination. He was giving him a glimpse of the fullness of his potential. It could very well be that some of you in the last week or even today had never really given a conscious thought as to how you could use what God has called you to be or where you've been planted to actually use that as a way in which to fish for people. It may seem odd to think, Matthew, that plumbing could be where God planted you to fish for people. It's a little bit easier, Nancy, when you're leading women's Bible study, but there's an opportunity to fish for people. Jack and Joyce, you've been in and out of this round building over here a lot of times over the last couple of years. It's a great opportunity to do what? Fish for people. As you get a chance to go around and share your testimony in other churches, guess what? There are a lot of fish that haven't been brought into the boat yet. It's an opportunity to fish for people. You're working in retail, even if it's on the Arkansas side way over there. And oh, guess what? It's an opportunity to fish for people. What a wonderful thing to make a difference in somebody's life. That's what Jesus did when he called Peter and Andrew. He gave them a glimpse of what they could be. I think when God calls us, he gives us a glimpse of what we can be. I mean, leaders kind of know how to do this. They don't just invite people to, oh, come on, help me get elected or get a raise or to look good. Leaders are more likely to tell you, let me help you reach your potential. Now, I want to make a distinction here, a clarification, because I don't want to give you the wrong impression. This is not about learning how to schmooze people. This is not about using persuasive words to con people into doing what it is you think would be best for them. It is about giving people a genuine opportunity to do something great, to have their life changed. When Jesus said, follow me and I will show you how to fish for people, Jesus wasn't just working a room somewhere. He was genuinely offering these disciples a chance to do something really, really great. Now, I got news for you. They went back and fished occasionally. They didn't completely abandon their business. I have a feeling that they used that business to help finance three years of ministry for Jesus in some way. I mean, you don't just have... Jesus and 12 guys wandering around with no jobs. I mean, this, that would be, you know, how are they going to eat? How are they going to do things? See, when you recruit people, you don't have to play them. You don't have to trick them into saying yes like you're trying to unload a case of used encyclopedias. I mean, if your vision for life comes from God, it's always worthwhile. If you're committed to walking the talk and knowing your stuff, then your vision is a very worthwhile project. If you're committed to taking the steps necessary to ensure people uh, who work with you succeed, you've got a rare opportunity. See, great leaders understand. I think, for example, I want you to think about how we try to get people involved in church work. You know, we have we need Sunday school teachers. We need people to work in the youth group. We'd like to have more people on the altar guild. We'd like to have more people help us put up or take down decorations. We need We need this. We need that. How do churches normally go about doing that? In my first church, I'm going to tell you how it happened. We had to elect about 60 people. It was a significantly larger church. And when the church gets large, business is a little bit harder to take care of. Sometimes it's difficult getting people. And one of the men, I remember his first name was Bud. He says, give me the list and I'll twist arms until we fill the spots. That's often the way we do it. We twist people's arms and say, Oh, if we don't have somebody serve on the board of education, everything will go downhill. And You know, and we twist their arms We we play the sob story. We have our violin and, we, you know, the kids will all die and go to hell. If we don't serve on the board. Uh, you know, gosh, you're a man you've got a pulse. You can be an elder. Or, oh, gee, you're a woman, you have a pulse, you could be a Sunday school teacher. I mean, think about this. Why not try this approach? I'm not asking you to teach a Sunday school class. I'm asking you to change the future for some young people in our church. Or, I'm not just asking you to donate a few dollars to missions. I'm asking you to make your mark on the next generation of people in India. Or I'm not just asking you to serve on a committee. I'm asking you to help shape the entire direction of a great commission ministry. Maybe that's a slightly better approach. We need to appeal to people's desires to make a difference, even as Jesus calls on us and says, you guys can make a difference. See, if you're a leader that no one is following, I've learned all that means is you're out for a nice walk. See, God is always going to place a vision on your heart no matter where he plants you. I don't care what you're doing. I challenge you, if you, if you think that God cannot give you a vision where you are today, I, I challenge you, you come up and you talk to me. I'd love to hear what you're doing that God couldn't use it. I would really love to hear that story. And I think I could convince you that God can give you some way to catch fish where you're at. See, God's calling all of us to greatness. That's part, that's part of his call to be a Christian. He's, he doesn't want to call you to just be some mope in a church. or The word I, I shared this morning in Bible class, a bunch of sheeple, you know, just people sheep. Um, he, he says, I, I, I want to call you to greatness, which means I want you to share your vision. I want you to share, share Jesus with others. Now, you might start alone, but you'll never finish by yourself. Let me end up with these three points. I think they're the last one's on your outline. Very simple. It'll be up on the screen, I think. Yeah. To share your vision, you need to lead by example. This requires a commitment to integrity. Jesus modeled that for us. If we're going to lead people to Jesus, I'll tell you, example goes a long way. You'd be surprised just by how you act, how other people might actually ask you a question. I remember a few years ago, some of you met our daughter. She's got a nice smiley face. In fact, when we lived in Hong Kong, her Chinese, Chinese name was Hoi Sump, which meant smiley face. And Terry's a good hard worker and everything. She's generally got a smile for the most part. But I remember her telling us a story a few years ago about another woman in her office, and she worked for a pretty sizable company in Dallas, who came and said, Terry, can I talk to you because you really seem different than everybody else here. And Terry basically said, Let me tell you what's made a difference in my life. It's Jesus.
1: And the upshot
0: of that, I think part of that family ultimately got baptized. She used a place in a major company to fish for people by leading by example, walking the talk, having integrity. That requires expertise and commitment to do what it takes to ensure the success of those with you getting in the Word, being in worship. You need to lead by inspiration. This requires an ability to recognize potential in other people. You know, can you spot an unbeliever? Oh, I think you can spot an unbeliever about as easy as an unbeliever can spot a Christian. Then all you need to do is build a little bridge of fellowship that Jesus can cross over. Some strategies to get them plugged in. What a wonderful task God has called us to have. To be fishers of people. I can't think of a better thing. Now, maybe you're just getting started in this process. Maybe at this point in your life, it may just seem like you're out taking a walk. But if you do have a vision to cast, there's no doubt about it. Jesus said, follow me and I will show you how. I will show you how to fish for people. I pray that our response to his call is by casting our vision as best as we can to the people around us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the call you've made into our life, calling us in your family. We thank you also for the presence of the Holy Spirit that stirs our hearts to encourage us to have a vision, even in the task to which you call us. Whether it be in the factory, whether it be a white-collar position, whether we be in the military, whether we're in the service industry, no matter where it be, that there is a vision for the future. And Lord, part of that vision, the great portion of that vision, is to ultimately extend your name and to glorify your name, to extend your kingdom. Lord, may we be about your business and to learn from you how to catch people. In Jesus' name, amen.